Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. Joining me once again is Richie Schneider. Richie, you got a lot to talk about, a lot going on the last couple days. We teased a big announcement. We'll talk more about that too. Um, so, the, first, the announcement uh, this podcast is joining the Believe Podcast Network, which, in terms of content, isn't going to change anything we bring to you guys. We're still going to be on the same recording schedule. It's basically just going to allow us to expand the podcast. They're going to help us market it. They're going to have, they have a series of uh, Big Ten podcasts that uh, we'll have access to their hosts for game previews. Um, they're also going to help this podcast grow. So we're going to have a little bit of podcast. We're going to have a little bit of advertising on here, but not too much. Um, and the podcast is being brought to you today by bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all on all your favorite sports contests. And they're the first to market out with in lines, uh, find reviews and news for every league, including major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Uh, Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to props and futures. Uh, head to Bet Online today on your mobile device uh, and make your force, first sports wager bet. Uh, use our promo code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V fifty to receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. And Bet Online, that's where the game starts. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know everyone probably has a million betting apps at this point, but uh, what's one more at this point? Does it hurt? Exactly. No. And fifty so percent. Bonus for the first yeah. deposit? Can't beat that. Yeah, can't. Not at all. And then we're also sponsored by uh, Adam Goldman. If you guys are on the Rutgers uh, Rivals uh, message board, you've probably seen him before. Um, basically, he's the franchise coach, as he calls himself. Um, basically, if you're a displaced corporate exec or uh, wanting to put your career in your own hands and kind of want to run your own business, he can kind of help you out. Adam's a Jersey guy. He's been on the night report for a couple years now. He's from Watchung Hills High School. Uh, Rutgers fan, obviously, and uh, he's a franchise veteran for over a decade. Uh, he's using his expertise. He's kind of helping people find that uh, find their new American dream uh, through a very thorough and uh, free consultation process. So uh, hit him up. It's 100% free, nothing to lose. And then, uh, yeah, you can own your own business pretty easily. So give him a call at uh, 844-800-3726 or franchisecoach.net or uh, even on uh, hit me up on social media and I'll, I'll forward his info to you and you can go from there. Awesome. Yeah, so that's enough of the advertising. Uh, we do have a lot to talk about, like we kind of alluded to. The first thing, Shiano announced yesterday that uh, Drew Singleton's appeal had been denied by the NCAA. Uh, he said that there was one more avenue that they could pursue, but it's not looking good for Drew Singleton to play. Uh, it seems like the NCAA is kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth with this issue because they allowed him to play in the, the bowl game despite him uh, already signing with an agent. And so, what's going on with this situation? And it just it just seems like wrong. Yeah, I would say basically, I think it's tough because, like, if you do the math, he technically has one year left because that COVID year was free. So, I mean, technically, he could have just uh, could have stayed one more season if he wanted to, but obviously, he signed with an agent, and I think that's the big thing. Once you sign with an agent, that's kind of it. So I think they're afraid that if they let him come back, they're going to let everybody come back at that point, and then there's not going to be any point in signing with an agent. 
Um, it's a little bit difficult because this this is a big blow for Rutgers because they were kind of expecting him back a little bit, and it would have been huge for their linebacker core. There's one guy on the team right now that has maybe more than 10 appearances in the 10 game appearances, and that's Deion Jennings. I don't even think he has five, six starts maybe total in his career, in his three to four years with the program. Uh, so it's very concerning. But obviously Tyreen Powell started to show flashes last year, so he's going to be probably linebacker one. After that, that's a big question mark because Deion Jennings never really stepped up. So it's either he steps up or you're, you're going to a freshman. You have, I mean, you have a, a lot of freshmen, don't get me wrong. You have Dariel Diajami, who just came in out of Canada, who Shiano loves. But mm-hmm. obviously, he's, he's pretty raw. You have uh, Anthony Johnson, a four-star, still pretty raw, still kind of learning position. Even he's a tweener because he's, he's 240 as a freshman. Like he might, There was always speculation that he might drop down to the next level eventually because if he packs on, like, I don't know, 10 more pounds, he is dropping down. And by so. dropping down, you mean to the defensive line, not to – Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't yeah. want people being like, he's no. transferring already? <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. So yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's really no one uh, no linebackers out there. Um, Austin Dean's obviously here for a second year, but I don't know how much you can expect out of him. But obviously these these guys are all these guys I'm naming are gonna have to play. Like there's no other option at this point. Like there's no you could run the nickel as much as you want. You still need more than two linebackers out there constantly, just rotating in and out. Yeah, I, I, I they were very in the involved in the. Uh, the transfer portal market for linebackers. I just don't get why they didn't actually take one. Um, Cause there was it's, a ton of talented guys, even late in the process, a guy like Chris mole was there all year. I don't, and he ended up at Washington after, you know, would he, there was an SI article basically where he was saying he'd play anywhere. And yeah. this was from like April. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Between um, him, they, uh, they pursued Cole, or what was it? Colby reader was his name out of Delaware Colby reader. Yep. From Delaware. Yeah. Ended up at Iowa state. Yeah. Um, there's someone else. I think that they reached uh, out to a bunch of dudes. Like we posted about them, they just never got them on campus. Really, like it was a little bizarre. Remember that guy Jeff Cartu from uh, Syracuse? Yeah. They offered it, ended mm-hmm. up in Memphis. I think they cooled yep. on him. Yep. Um, but it's tough. And and Shiano talked about this in in his one of his press conferences, or where you have to basically like offer a guy and then start the relationship with a transfer portal because you have to move so quick on these guys because mm-hmm. everything moves at lightning speed in the transfer portal. So yeah, it's, it's kind tough. of the reverse of how things go. Otherwise, yeah, I mean the, the one thing I could see them doing in terms of like passing down situations, Igmanosin's big enough to play that like safety type linebacker role where he could be a cover linebacker. I mean, I, I think it'd be interesting, especially when you have such good safety depth throw him in there with Izzy and Young back there. And it, it could work at times, but obviously it's not a full-time like fix. It's just like a temporary like passing down type thing. It's 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 tough. Like That linebacker core is going to get brutally murdered, I think, in terms of uh, stopping the run too. Because as much as I love Tyreen Powell and he did reshape his body quite a bit, there's still no one else on the other side. Yeah, no, it sounds like he's – turn into like this cyborg at like six five like 240 he's he sounds basically from what i've heard like he's got like the body type and the athleticism of like a, an isaiah simmons from clemson who's now with the cardinals mm. and he's kind of like the chess piece potentially on the defense if if he ends up developing the way that we hope he is um but moving on yeah. to the other side of the ball it looks like uh, we're getting Aaron Crookshank back at nearly full speed. Greg said that he's, you know, recovered for the most part. They're still monitoring things, but he's made good progress in his rehab. 
And that would bring such a crucial element to the offense this year because there's nobody like his kind of speed on the team right now. There's no one with his type of speed in like the Big Ten. I mean, he's he's yeah. he's quick. Like, he obviously he's refining his wide receiver skills. He is a uh, return man first at this point. But uh, yeah, no, he's 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 almost 100, percent and uh, that's huge for Rutgers. You need him out there because I personally I don't trust Youngblood enough to be a full time starter at the slot, but. Um, I, I do think uh, he's going to be quite the weapon this year. He's going to keep developing. He's, he's got speed. He's got hands. He's going to he's going to help whoever the quarterback is at this point, um, whether it be Vedral on little slant routes or even end arounds and stuff. He's just that quick. Like, yeah. You can use him in so many different ways. So it's huge to have him back and ready to go. And suddenly our wide receiving core is like a legit middle-of-the-pack Big Ten receiving core between Tosh Harris, Sean Ryan, and Aaron Cruikshank. Two-thirds of those guys also being E-Hall guys, which is always a good thing. Have more of their guys making impacts on the team. Mm-hmm. Never can hurt with the pipeline there. Um, yeah. Twitter was also kind of set aflame <laughs> yesterday by the uh, Dave Ravine posted a, a deep ball from Gavin yeah. Wimsat to Aaron Cruikshank. I mean, it, it's on air, but... Gavin throws a pretty ball, man, and it sounds like he's really reshaped his body, too, since he got here. Yeah, if you've seen him, uh, you, I'm sure most of you have seen the videos. Like, I'm going to try to pull it up later on. Um, one of his videos, there's interviews from last year's games. If you interview or look at that photo and then look at him now, he's he's just a completely different player. Like, he's he's huge. He's kind of chiseled now. He's a little ripped. Um, it's the Jay Butler effect. Like, he, Jay Butler knows how to reshape these guys. It's very impressive what he does and how he does it. But, um yeah, I, I and even as much as I love that highlight, if you rewatch the or reread the tweet, uh, it says like I don't expect them to be game one starter, and I'm sure these guys talked to Shiano before practice and all that, and and I, I kind of agree with him. I still think it's Vedral game one. If you win, probably Vedral game two. To be honest, if you lose, then I think you just start seeing Wimsat starting to work in more and more, whether it be like a fifty-fifty type thing to start versus uh, what's Wagner number two. Yep. Um, yeah, so maybe it might be a 50-50 thing versus Wagner, just kind of split up reps or split up a series and kind of go from there. And I do think they're going to work Wimsat in somehow. And uh, I, I've been pretty adamant. I think uh, Vedral starts and they'll Wimsat will be the starter by game three. Yeah, and, and overall the team will be better this year than last year, but the schedule is just brutal. It's one of the ten hardest schedules in college football. And that's why those first three games are so important between BC, Wagner, and Temple because – those are three of the easier games on your schedule, so it's really going to dictate how the season goes. I mean, last year we saw how the three and zero start. You know, we finished what two and nine, the two and seven or two and eight the rest of the season. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so it, you really need to stack those wins early on against your easier opponents. So that, especially that road game, game one against Boston College, is going to be huge. Uh, they're starting a, a whole new offensive line. All five guys are, are new starters, so. Shiano's going to have to really bring the heat and pressure those guys game one. Yeah, it's it's tough. Boston College is pretty good, man. I know it's starting five new linemen. I know they're missing Christian Mahogany, a Jersey guy, who uh, actually Chris Ash kind of ruined and didn't didn't even push really, which whatever, besides the point, I'm done. I think I'm done talking about Ash forever now. I think that's <laughs> it. Like, I, I think I'm done like throwing all the like little shade at him here and there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they still have Phil Jerkovich. He's a top top tier quarterback, one of the best in the ACC. Um, Zay Flowers is a top tier wide receiver. Um, Jalen Gill is a transfer. I'm not sure how good he's going to be, but we'll we'll see. But uh, if Max Melton can shut down um, Zay Flowers, if they this off defensive line high, lives up to the hype and kind of 
mauls these new look, uh, this new look line for BC, they they have a shot. It's the linebacker yeah. core that worries me because they do have a pretty good running back room led by Patrick Garwo. So I mean, as long as uh, they can hold this run game, kind of get Jerkovic a little out of whack, I, I think have a shot. Like they legitimately have a shot. Yeah, and, and the betting lines have kind of reflected that. I think that game opened at as, as uh, Rutgers is a nine-point underdog, and I think it's crawled down to seven or seven and a half at this point. So clearly, there's people who saw value in that number, um, which bodes well for Rutgers. Shiano uh, kind of touched on the offensive line too. Uh, I think you might have asked him a question about it in the last couple of pressers. Yeah. It sounds like he's liking where things are kind of molding there's not like a starter group yet but there's so much more talent there this year than last year but i don't think we can expect this to be like a you know top three in the big 10 offensive line this season but i think they have the potential to be serviceable and average which honestly if they're average that's that's something that can allow you to to run plays that are right up gleason's alley because last the last two years i mean you, you could throw the best offensive coordinator in the country on our team and there's just it's just so limiting because you have like a second and a half how, how fast how far down the field can you get in a second and a half and then you have a guy I who doesn't have a strong arm yeah 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 i mean the thing is is like it's it, they're definitely bigger like they're a lot bigger you see that damn lancer fly um <laughs> what do you call it uh yeah no but they're definitely bigger um you could see that right away they're, these guys are like colin pierce is six seven three something um willie tyler six five six six three something jd dorenzo's three something uh ireland brown's three something like uh, these are this is a big 10 offensive line for a change now how deep does it go is the big question like um after the starting five there's a lot of question marks um obviously kobe asamoa is only a freshman you can only expect so much out of him Gus Salinskis, you know, while he looked really good last year at times, um, I still think he's a work in progress. And then um, the, the other thing is, is like, Willie Tyler was just, it's just not bigger, isn't always better. Put it like that. Sure. Willie Tyler was just about average at UOM. If he could be average at Rutgers, that's huge. But I, it, it's going to be tough. J.D. Dorenzo is making a big leap from Sacred Heart to Big Ten football. Um, who's Iowan Brown's a converted defensive tackle. Um Who's the right guard? Curtis Dunlap. Curtis Dunlap is a uh, what do you call it? It hasn't been healthy, and well, I don't even know since he's been in college. I guess. Yeah. Um, he had he had some stints though where he showed flashes. Now, if everything clicks, this team could be a really good offensive line. Is it going to click? It's it's tough for you. To, it's it's even hard to hit on like for example, they took six freshman offensive linemen. I bet you they hit on maybe one or two, and that's just how it works. Yep. So now you took four portal guys. Technically, I guess. Um, yeah, four portal guys are going to be starters on the offensive line. If you count Iron Brown as portal guy, technically, um, so maybe they hit on one, maybe they hit on two. And that, that's still that's big because you're still getting a better unit than what you had. But is it going to be top three? No. Is it going to be middle of the pack? I, I'd probably argue yes, pending injuries. Yeah, and I mean that would just elevate the offense so much. Um, on the on the other side of the ball, it sounds like they're pretty high on the defensive back unit um you kind of asked shiano what he thought about max melton compared to his other top cornerbacks talk a little bit about his his response to that um i mean yeah there's there's a ton of different uh cornerbacks on this team now um yeah max melton is obviously the top tier guy i still think he's probably one of the best in the big 10 uh i i think he's probably i hate to say it if, if he lives up to this hype he's probably gonna leave after this year 
Um, after him is where it gets interesting because Kassan Abram was one of the best per PFF last year. I still expect him to be really good. Um, and then Robert Longerbeam, too. Robert Longerbeam's been – I know he uh, he got well torched in that little Wimsat clip, but obviously uh, one-on-one coverage isn't the easiest thing to do against Cruikshank. Um, yeah. But he, he's really developed into a really nice player, and it's kind of been a little bit of a steal for Fran Brown down in Virginia. Um, I know people don't want to mention Fran Brown still, but sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall, the, the, unit's, uh, the unit's making developments, making strides. Um, after those three is where it gets really interesting because you have some young guys. You have like Shaquan Moyle who's, who's kind of starting to develop a little more. And a lot of people haven't talked about him at all. Um, Carnell Davis is a guy who's kind of rotating between uh, both DB spots. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm missing someone. I can't think of who. Uh, off the top of my head, the cornerback. I'm, I feel like I'm missing someone like pretty like prudent too. Here, let me take a look at the depth chart. It's been, it's been a um, while since I talked cornerbacks. Yeah, no. Um, Braswell. Braswell. Oh, duh. Christian Braswell. He, he's probably a starter as well if, if healthy. Um, obviously, he's recovering from ACL, so that's a little bit of a tough one. But uh, I talked to his trainer down in uh, the DMV area, and they, they say he's, he's good to go. He's stronger than ever, and uh, he, he should be a. Uh, should be a pretty dominant corner. I know he was pretty good at Temple year two when he was cornerback two for them. They said when he moved to cornerback one, he struggled a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. like that's he could be cornerback three at this point or maybe even four. Yeah, he was playing primarily slot the year that he like really broke out for Temple. Um, mm-hmm. And he had like a ton of intercept. He just played the ball. He was all over like every play t- towards him, whether it be pass breakups, interceptions, or just mm-hmm. having really tight coverage. Um so we have a yeah. we have a scrimmage on Saturday, right? That'll be the first scrimmage yep. of training camp. Um, I guess we'll just have more coverage, you know, as the week goes on, and we'll continue to uh, keep track of how things are going. But basketball also had a practice oh, today, open yes. to the media yesterday. Uh, it sounds like uh, P- Pike really likes where this team is, but I mean, Pike always likes where the team is, which is great because he's optimistic. Um, tell us a little bit about what your overall feel is for the team, and then we can go into like individual guys. Yeah, so just just to start it off before I get in depth with anything, Caleb McConnell wasn't there. Um, he's he's hanging out with his family. He obviously uh, so I, I found out like the details behind that. He he played uh, he played his high school ball in Ohio. So he he's a Jacksonville, Florida native. Then he went right to Rutgers. Like he hasn't been home in quite some time. I'm told uh, he hasn't seen his siblings in a little bit. So he's, he's just hanging out back home, but he's, he's still a workout warrior. So there's nothing to worry about there. The guys, the guys in the gym, what I was told like four to five times a week. Uh, now basically, basically since he's injury prone, um, in the past, do, do you want him in the gym four to five times a week? No, but apparently it's yeah. hard to keep the kid out of the gym. Like he just, he loves the game, wants to learn more, wants to keep developing. But regardless, um, just watching practice yesterday and talking to coach Pike after, this team's this team's very interesting. They're very, very, very good defensively. Um, I, I'd argue personally. I know Pike won't say it out loud, uh, especially after after making comments last year about his team preseason. But I think this might be one of his one of his best, if not best, defensive team yet for Rutgers. This is a phenomenal wow. team, um, up to down, or top to bottom, whatever you want to call it. Um, Caleb McConnell, defensive player of the year. Jalen Miller stuffed Paul Mulcahy twice on one on one. and huge. And Paul, Paul's doing like everything to try to like these are like just trying to get to the hoop and lay it in, but like Paul's trying to reverse layups and Jalen Miller's just his he's just like a he's like a gnat like he just pisses you off it's like these Lancer flies, just like get off <laughs> me like just leave me alone like let me just dribble for a second and it's like no like he's just like 
I don't want to say he's Jacob Young-esque in terms of defense, but his chest is over the ball quite a bit, just like Jacob Young's was. And he just, he'll piss you off on defense. Like, it's it's funny. Now, um, I think if he he's starting to develop a jump shot, it's still not there. It's still a work in progress. But he, he's going to be really good. Malat Mag's a really good defender. He's starting to get, um, what do you call it? Someone asked me after practice. They were like, uh, who who'd you like? Who stood out to you the most? And my, my first reaction was Malat Mag. Like, he just looks completely different. Um, not that he lost weight, but he changed his body. So it's less skinny, more like a little bit of muscle. He can guard the one through four. I, I know someone suggested on Twitter, like him, uh, play small ball five. It's not, it's not happening, but, um, I, I could he do it. I mean, against out of conference teams, I don't see why not versus those like six, seven, six, six big men that the like central Connecticut state has and stuff like that. But um, he, he just really impressed me. His ability to get to the rim now is, like, a lot better. He's uh, he's actually handling the ball pretty well. I think last year we saw him hit a couple threes. So, I mean, he's still developing that part of his game. But uh, if you have a lineup with Jalen Miller and Watt Nag and Kale McConnell, I, I don't know how people are going to score. And then Kenan Cliff down low, like, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, it's going to be a really good defensive team. Um, and then uh, Paul Mulcahy, I didn't even mention. The dude's, like, 6'7". Six eight maybe maybe even taller at this point. He just keeps growing and now he's bulkier. He's got a little more muscle. He might be just looking based at the team and the photos I'm gonna upload later. He he might be like the most muscle on the team honestly. Like he just he's a little wow. like built here and in, in like the uh, the shoulders. It's interesting. Yeah, um, he was at the KTR event obviously and um, he was like way taller than I thought he'd be. Um, obviously, I've been to the rack. I've watched him play. Sorry, Jersey Mike's. I've watched him play, you know, you know, dozen times in person. But when you're actually standing next to him and you can see, like, I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm like 6'2", but he was way taller than I was. And there was yeah. – the place was packed, but at no point did you ever not know where Paul was. He was just towering over people. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the new guys. I'm sure that's what people really want to hear about. Um, so let's first start with Cam Spencer. It sounds like everybody is just like in awe of how good of a shooter he is, both from distance and as a, a free throw shooter. I think you were saying that, you know, there was a free throw point of the day where he didn't miss at all. Yeah, he. Um, so they, they do obviously their drills and everything. And then towards the end, like there's a big focus on free throw shooting with, I mean, obviously they need to. <laughs> um, yeah, It's a big reason why they were shooting, what, 60% last the year before. And now they're a little bit higher than that, I think. But, uh, yeah, he, he went 20 of 20. Like, he didn't miss. Like, I, I don't think many people caught that. I, I give Chris credit because, um, like, once the free throw started, I think everyone just starts BSing and talking. And Chris mm-hmm. Chris sat there and was watching still, and that, that's a good it's a good little tidbit. Like, um, 20 of 20 from the free throw line is impressive. And if you look at the, the tweet I put out on the Rutgers Rivals Twitter account, his form is just – it's pretty, like, clean. He was uh, – they were running one-on-one drills. Um, like I said before, I think I forget Cam was going against. I think it was either Oscar or uh, or Dean. It was one of those two he went against in one-on-one. And he hit one of those Dirk step back, like, in the leg out fader, fadeaways. And it's just it's just oh, such a pretty shot. Like, it just swished perfectly. Um, is he going to make everything? No. But is he going to shoot, like, probably over 40%? I think so. I think he shot 47 last year with Loyola. Averaged 20 a game almost. Um, is he going to do 20 a game? No, probably not. But – I think that you kind of can use him in so many different ways. You could just, if you want to like move the ball around with like Paul, Caleb, um, any, any all your facilitator type guys, honestly, just spot him up in the corner, and just let him just let him let, let him rip it, let him just see what he could do as a three point specialist. And then at times you could obviously he could drive to the rim too. He's not afraid of contact. And uh, I think my favorite part of his game is that like he talks shit afterwards. Like 
I, I love seeing that. I love the intensity. Like, I know it's just practice, and it's summer practice. It's not even, like, legitimate practice yet. And he's just, like, he's hitting, like, layups. And I, he, like I said, like, the prototypical, like, yeah, and one. And it's like, dude, I love this, but this is your team. Relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, if you know, like, a little bit about his background, is like, it seems like it's a very confident family in general. Like, his brother was, like, his name is Pat Spencer. He's one of the best college lacrosse players of all time. I think he's second all-time in points, first all-time in assists in terms of D1. He played at Loyola, Maryland. And then for his last year, he decided, I'm going to play basketball. I haven't played basketball since high school. Goes to Northwestern, averages like 12 a game, ends up getting like a G League contract, and it's speculated that he might play in the NBA next year. He's on the G League team of the Warriors. So he's got It's a very athletic family he comes from, very confident family. So I'm really excited. And we have him for two years potentially so true yeah i don't see him going anywhere i I think he's here for two years 100 percent, and that's that's huge because now you're not only going to have him next year you'll have gavin griffs too yeah offense is going to look good yeah which is uh obviously the pike teams have traditionally been known for defense but it'll be nice to have some really potent offensive threats as well um Mm -hmm. and i think pike i mean it's easy it's easy to teach somebody mechanically how to change tweak their shot a bit even if it takes a ton of repetition you can build an offensive game i feel like mm-hmm. defense is so predicated on effort and just like willingness to like grittiness like you, you you're either born with that or you're not you can't really instill that in somebody but you can help instill the fundamentals of a good shot or you know how to take a ball to the hole better but yeah yeah now spence is spence is going to be legit uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Derek Simpson. So it sounds like everybody's talking about him as you know a Geo clone. I think you said that to me off camera. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing the number zero. Is that really? Is it really just like a Geo clone? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I mean, it's it's more than just a number. It's he's wearing number zero, obviously. So everyone's gonna be able to think like, hey, it's Geo esque. Um, little shocked they gave away his number just like that, but what whatever. I mean, it's it's interesting to say the least. But uh. Yeah, I know. I think um, I think he's going to be a pretty pretty good player. He's going to play a lot. Um, I, I'm trying to find a photo of Gio from his freshman year to compare, because um, based on what we heard is that he came in a, like probably 15 to 20 pounds heavier than Gio. If you look at him straight up, it's probably more like five to six pounds heavier than Gio came in as a freshman. It's not a huge difference, but uh, yeah, he's he's got a really good uh, knack of getting to the rim. Um, he's he's not afraid to score. He's got a pretty good jumper. Um, he's got an occasional three ball as well. Um, I mean, he just he's just skinny. Like, that's his, his biggest downside is he's skinny. I think he's probably under-recruited based on where he played and uh, what AAU programs he was with. Uh, he didn't rock with, like, uh, any of the big names down there, like the, I forget, New Scholars Academy and all that. He didn't go to the Camden. He went to Lenape. So, I mean, um, he probably should have got a little more attention. But um, Pike, Pike ended up getting a really good player in this one. And I, I think if he keeps, continues to bulk up, there's no reason why he can't be a, a Geo clone at this point. Um, but, yeah, he, he gets to the rim pretty easily. Decent jump shot. He had a couple lay-ins. And uh, he's not he's not afraid. He's not afraid of contact despite being uh, 110 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, no, I'm excited about him because he sounds like a potential offensive spark for this team. Um, mm-hmm. He's obviously just young and probably yeah. needs some development so wouldn't expect too too much out of him but it sounds like he could potentially be one of the lead scorers in year two maybe year three yeah, uh, now let's little, talk a little bit about Antoine Wolfork he's the the freshman power <clears throat> forward I want to say he's 6'8 or 6'9 uh yeah 
what did you, th- you see out of him? I'd say he's probably a four slash five. He could probably do either. Um, okay. Yeah, the, his nickname's Wolf, which was kind of I thought it was kind of cool. Wolf bulk, like Wolf, like whatever. Um, yeah, he. So I talked to him after practice. He told me originally he committed to Cincinnati for football. Um, I think we knew he had an offer. I didn't know we that he committed technically. Um, but he, he was focusing on football mostly for the most part and then kind of got in the hoops like his last year or two. Rutgers hit him up. Rutgers got him on campus after he committed to Cincy football and he flipped right away. He went to uh, Rutgers for basketball. Now, you know, he's intriguing because he's like 6'8", like 240, 250 around that range, like you said. Um, but he's battling with Cliff like with, with ease kind of. Not ease, but like he's going back and forth with them. So it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, he's not a bad player. Um, he's very young. He's still learning the game. I know when I asked him about some of his traits, his top traits, uh, or just to describe his game in general, he basically told me, he's like, I'm a defender and rebounder first, and then um, I'm starting to work on my offensive game. And I think that's kind of what Pike saw, and Pike just uh, Pike loved it. That's awesome. Um, who do you think has really developed most based on what you saw in one practice from last year? Um... Probably Mawat. Like I said before, I I love Mawat's game. I know he was a little hectic at times and ran around like a nut and was just running into people. (laughs) Yeah. Running running people over at one point, I guess, right? Or twice, maybe it was last year. Yeah. Uh, He's starting to refine his game quite a bit. He um, he's starting to slow it down. He's starting to learn the game more. Learn understand it, how it works more. Um, so he's, he's been, uh, I know, like I said, his offense is pretty good. Like I know it's the JSBL too, what he did the other day and the stats that came out, but he scored 25 in that and went like two of five from three or something. Um, so I mean, it's not all three balls. Like he's the whole team in general is just a bunch of, it's, I don't want to say it's a bunch of dunkers, but like they're all, they all can dunk and they can all play above the rim at times. Um, Derek Simpson, I, I completely forgot to mention, um, when I was talking to coach Pike, like, uh, in the post game or post game post uh, practice presser, he he mentioned that uh, Derek Simpson might be one of the best dunkers he's had at guard since like since Corey Sanders, and that's that's, that's a huge that's a huge rave right there. So I think he's going to play significant minutes. I think Moat Mag's going to might might even be your sixth man technically. It all depends on what you want. Like, do you want a defensive guard, Jalen Miller? Here you go. Go out there, go piss someone off. Uh, do you want scoring, Derek Simpson? All right, go out there, go get us a bucket. We need to get out of this slump. Um, Antoine Wolfolk obviously back up big. I, I still think he's probably behind Austin Dean, who, who we didn't even talk about. Did gain a couple pounds. Austin Reber. Austin Re- uh, Dean Reber. Jeez, I can't even think. Dean Austin Reber. Dean. Yeah, Dean Jesus. Reber. Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> too, too, many, too many Deans. Uh, you can see the fucking like the bags under my eyes still. I'm still trying to wake up. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get my coffee yet. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this this team's interesting because you have so many lineups. This is a deep, deep team. I want to say it might be Pike's deepest team yet. Um, I know he probably won't go on record saying it after, like I said, after the comments he made preseason last year, I think he's not going to say a single word about his team. Yep. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's definitely a very, very deep team. And you have you have different options that you can kind of throw at people. You could throw a huge defensive unit, like I said before, between Miller, Mag, McConnell, Cliff. You could go more offensive. You can go Simpson, Mulcahy, uh, Spencer, McConnell as a four at times maybe. You can You can mix and match these guys in so many different ways. And this is to the, this year is going to be the true definition of positionless basketball because you have guards that can play one two three. You have a, a forward and Caleb that can play one two three four. You have Mawat Mag who could, who could guard one through four, or play three two three four. You have Austin Dean who could play four five. You have Wolfolk who could play four five. And Antonio Scholl's not even here yet, and he he supposedly can play 
uh, three or four, and maybe even a small ball five because I think he's six, seven, six, eight. So like it's there's so many options and so many lineups you can pick and choose. And this is why out of conference play and such a shitty out of conference schedule at times is plays such a dividends because you can you can rotate these guys in and you, in the in the past you're not going to get like an Antoine Wolfolk and Antonio Chol like. 20, 15, 20 minutes. Now you play against these guys and you can get them those 15, 20 minutes. Mike's over here taking pictures with Cat. There's a bird sitting uh, up there apparently that she's freaking out about. Sorry, I had to take pictures. No, it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Make, makes the pod more real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we won't even get into how we recorded this last night and we uh, somehow messed up the actual recording uh, of it. So I'll take, I'll take the blame for that. There goes an hour yeah, of my no, time. No. It was uh, we we got some good rehearsal for for what we're talking about today. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. So uh, regarding like McConnell coming back, I think that'll be huge for Mag because Mag is in in terms of an archetype, he's very similar to McConnell in terms of what he could be, like a shutdown defender with a kind of developing offensive game. Do you yeah. think that? Pike is really hoping that McConnell's offensive game takes a step forward this year because, I mean, he's shown flashes of being able to be, like, a knockdown shooter. Like, he hits some really tough shots. Like, he'll get it – he'll drive – he'll drive, like, to the key and then take – step it out along the baseline and do these, like, turnarounds Mm -hmm. and and hit them with ease. But he'll have a wide-open three from the corner and he'll brick it. Like, he's very inconsistent, but he hits some difficult shots, which shows you he has clear potential as an offensive player. Do you think he'll take the step forward this year? Yeah, I think I think he definitely will. I don't know how much of a step forward is the question. Um, what do you average? I want to say seven, eight points per game last year. Something like I think, that. Yeah. I think he could, he could probably get to that nine, ten range. I don't expect him to get much more than that. And that's that's a big issue why I think this team's neat lacking offense. Like um, obviously Pike could have went out and got like a scoring four, but you probably would have lost a couple guys via the portal. Cause that's just how it works. Like look at look at UConn. UConn at it. Uh, a random guard transfer, and then they lost Rasul Diggins and Corey Floyd like the next day. So yeah. it's it's very strategic. You can't really just add a guy just to add a guy. Um, obviously, he knew he was lacking something at his guard spots in terms of scoring, so he added Cam Spencer. And I think that was the only guy he really pursued. I mean, obviously, they, Pike wants to build this with high school guys. He wants guys that he can develop four years and kind of keep going. And, like, for example, like, Mwant Mag is going to be in year, what, two, year three at this point? I think so, yeah. I think, yeah, I so I mean – he wants to be able to elevate guys and just keep like, like, oh, I have this guy waiting in the wings. Like, let's just elevate him. So Ron's gone. Gio's gone. Now we're going to elevate. Like, Paul's going to elevate his game. Now, um, at the four spot, Mawat or Andre Hyatt's going to take over for him. And it's all, it's all strategic at the end of the day. But I do think that Caleb's going to take his game to the next level. Um, I think he's a pretty – he's a damn good defender. I think he's a pretty solid offensive player. Um, the, the questionable mid-ranges that he hits all the time, I, I, I still question – Quite a bit because yep. it is the worst it is technically the worst shot in basketball like it's not yeah percentage wise it's not good but i think he carried him in notre dame game based off of solely mid-ranges and it's like what the fuck like yeah he was incredible like, what, what did he hit like like 10 of his first 11 shots in that game yeah it was, it was that, insane. And he, now i don't expect him to do that night in and night out everyone has off nights yeah. even ron and geo had off nights but i i think uh i think he'll take his game to the next level i think paul's gonna take his game a little bit to the next level and then um, I think Cam Spencer still. I'm 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 adamant about this. I put this in the war room last week. Um, Cam Spencer's this the top scorer on this team this year, and I think that's without question. Um, I think the only person that could could and maybe will challenge him is Cliff because I think Cliff's going to get a lot of buckets down low, whether that be off putbacks or 
uh, post moves or what, whatever. Uh, he's going to score a ton. Um, okay, that's probably those are probably your top four scorers right there. Um, after that's the big question mark. Is Derek Simpson going to be like that six man scorer off the bench? Is Mawat Mag going to take his game to the next level like we expect? Is uh, Andre Hyatt that we haven't even talked about? Is he going to be able to uh, translate into something on the court? So I mean, it's an interesting team. Offense lacking probably still, but defense. I think they're gonna they're gonna hold some people under sixty. They're gonna hold a lot of teams under sixty. Yeah, I want to talk about a little bit about Cliff's offensive game before we uh, talk about some other stuff here. Uh, so last year, obviously, Cliff, fantastic dunker with anywhere within like an eight foot radius of the rim, he could just like basically turn around and like stick his arm up and dunk. Um, yeah. But he had some trouble with touch around the rim when it was more of like a, you know, a hook or a fadeaway or, you know, a bunny shot that you just like brick early in the year. But he slowly started hitting those shots more and more consistently as the, the season went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like based on what I've heard, too, is his range is kind of stepping out a bit, too. Um, yeah. Is that what you're hearing and what you saw that he's kind of taking more outside shots? Yeah, so I mean, he, he's obviously not going to hit them all, but he is starting to take. Uh, he's he's showing confidence in his shot, and that's that's the first step in fixing your offensive game. So I mean, yep. he's he's not afraid to hit like the open threes. Um, he hit I think one or two yesterday in practice. Um, there was one play where they had him at the top of the key, and in the past we've seen Miles Johnson at the top of the key, and I I've said to myself, I'm like, why the fuck are you up there? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? You're not going to yeah. shoot it. It's like get, get even out as a there. screener, he was too slow to to cut in time to yeah. actually take advantage of it. So it was like, get out of there. But now I see Cliff up there, and I, I'm like, oh, what's Cliff? Cliff? Is Cliff shooting? And he shoots. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, he actually doesn't have a bad shot. Like, Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. He's going to shoot a couple threes this year. Um, he, he's gonna, it's still going to be mostly post game in terms of offense for him. Uh, pick and roll, stuff like that. Um, as long as he gets near that rim, he's, he's probably dunking it. His bounce is ridiculous. Um, other than – the cool thing is, is, like, when you switch him and Austin Dean – or Austin Dean again – God, God damn it. Dean Reber. Uh, <laughs> when you switch him and Dean Reber out, you're getting a totally different center. Um, you're not getting the defensive stalwart that you have in Cliff. You're not getting the the bunnies guy in Cliff and the the post presence in Cliff, but you're getting a guy that could step out and hit uh, hit hit better threes, like a better three point shooter, a better shooter in general. And some guy that's a good enough defender that's probably gonna piss you off. He's getting Luca Luca Garza uh, Fitz last year, he gave um, who was the other guy, John Harar from Penn State. He gave Fitz at times, um, so it's interesting because now like you have a totally different different lineup with your second squad. Like it's it's crazy. This team is deep. Like there's so many. Like I said before, there's so many different combinations, and it's going to be up to the coaching staff to figure out which ones work, which one doesn't, and then kind of figure out which is your which is your best lineup. If you're down five or need a and you need a basket, do you do you go like, hey Simpson, go out here, have fun, like or Cam, go do your thing. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much ISO ball. We saw a lot of ISO with Gio and Ron last year, which isn't bad. Yep. That's okay. Like they, they, they were good at it. And that was kind of the how the offense ran. I think this year it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a lot more movement with the ball, a lot more uh, passing. It's it's going to be a fun team to watch, I think. And based on what you're saying, Pike had like a seven-man rotation by the end of last year. You think it's going to be more of like an eight, nine, ten-man rotation throughout the year? Um, I'd probably say yes. Uh, it, like I said, it all really depends on what you want. Like in terms of, do you want defenders? Do you want scoring? Do you want, um, you just need a bucket? Um, yeah, I'd say the, the starters are pretty solidified. Um, it's it's definitely Paul, in no order, it's positionless basketball, like I said before. In no order, it's Paul, McConnell, Spence. Um, probably could flip-flop McConnell and Spence if you want. Hyatt, uh, Cliff. After that, 
it's do you need a big man? Reber's probably your go-to if you need a big man. Do you need a four? That's where it gets interesting because now you can go Mag at the four. You could go Reber at the four. You could go uh, Wolfolk at the four at times. Um, do you need a two slash three? It's probably Mag or Simpson. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm missing a guard somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's oh, Miller. Um, it, it really depends on what you want. Like, I don't think there's a true six-man on this team. I think it's a six, seven, eight-man, and it's just a matter of they can rotate. One could be the six this game. One could be the eight, the six next game. Like, there's just so many people on this roster that you could you could play and honest and play confident. For sure. I'm really excited to hear more about the basketball team throughout the summer and the fall. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on today is it sounds like the Big Ten media rights deal is kind of taking shape. Um, the rumor sure. is, and this is being reported by John Orand and Andrew Marchand, who are basically like they have the pulse of the sports media industry. Um, sounds like Fox, that, that portion of the deal has been long agreed upon. So Fox owns 61% of the BTNs. They're kind of, we're playing from the lead here. Uh, they're getting the A package, which will be the 12 o'clock game on Fox CBS and NBC will be splitting the B package. So that basically means Fox will get to pick the game that they want to play on their network at the beginning of the season for each week. And then CBS and NBC will take turns picking the B one. So uh, CBS will have the three thirty game, which will be replacing the, the old uh, SEC package and NBC will get a primetime game on Saturdays following the, uh, Notre Dame game earlier in the afternoon. It sounds like the Big Ten was very keen on getting uh, exclusive time slots with their negotiations. So basically, like, this is the time slot we want. This is the only way we're making this deal, and we want it in perpetuity for this, which is going to be huge because think about it. You know on football Sundays at a certain time you're switching to NBC because that's when football night in America starts. That's when – you know, the night game on Sunday night starts. You know, yeah. the game of the week is on Fox. And they they want to, like, burn this into your head. Like, at this time, you turn this channel on. Right. Um, it also sounds like there's going to be a streaming portion of this that's kind of not been announced yet. It's between Amazon and Apple. If I had to guess, it's probably going to be a Friday night game um, where there's just a game of the week, which is going to be yeah. huge because that's kind of like where Rutgers rose to prominence playing those Thursday night games in the Big East uh, in the late 2000s, I mean, the Louisville game, we don't even need to bring that up, but that, the, USF, the USF game, that was the number two team in the country we beat. So there's yeah. been a lot of precedent for Rutgers having these showtime games on Thursday nights. And if it's Friday night, it's even better because it throws your schedule off a little less. Um, yeah. But those numbers will kind of continue to creep out. It sounds like the only one that has some numbers behind it is the CBS portion of that deal is $350 million to have like 13 or 14 games a year, which is huge. A lot of money. Um, that's that's Big East money right there, just for one channel. For one channel, Not for even. one I game. I don't think that yep. Big East made that. No, but, I don't uh, think we did either. I think we only made, yeah, I don't know the exact number, but uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, it's sounding like it's going to be easily over a billion dollars, probably more like one five, uh, which will be almost $100 million a year for Rutgers. And this isn't even including like the Big Ten Network portion of this. Yeah. Um, just thoughts insane. on the, the, the media deal in general. Uh, I think it's genius. I mean, the, the only downside that everyone keeps complaining about is like the streaming stuff. 
because technically Fox has uh, FS1 or whatever the hell it is, Fox Live. CBS has Paramount. NBC has Peacock. So they're, they're, they might put some random games on those networks. Um, I think a big thing that people are keep forgetting about is I think they own USA Today as well, or USA Network or USA Channel. So I guess they could probably put it on channel, other channels, not just like – it's kind of like what uh, Fox does now with like it's going to be Fox, FS1, DTN, and mm-hmm. it's just all three of their channels. So I think they're going to spread it out a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think we kind of speculated a long time ago on one of our old pods about the uh, the streaming packages because there, there's so many Friday night games this year in the Big Ten between um, – I think uh, Penn State opens up against Purdue on a Friday night. Um, what do you call it? Rutgers is playing Nebraska on a Friday night. Like Those are the only two I know off, offhand, but I'm pretty sure most, if not every team, has one for this year. So, I mean, it makes sense in terms of streaming rights. And I, I'd actually be a little shocked if Amazon gets outbid here. I think if Amazon wants it, it's theirs. And I'm yep. okay with it because, like, Amazon – I don't know if you guys have watched Amazon, like, uh, NFL on Amazon. Like, it's not that bad. Like, it's it's pretty decent. Like, plus they yeah, have they're the putting Amazon, a lot uh, of money into it, too. They, like, they have yeah. – Al Michaels uh, and Kirk Herbstreet are the, the announcing crew. Yeah. Um, they have, like, a lot of talent in the uh, the, the pregame show that they're putting on. I think – I, I want to – I don't know the exact people, but there's a lot of former players who are going to be doing that, big-name players. And Amazon has so, their own, uh, what is it, like the NFL uh, PFF type rankings. Like they have their own Amazon version of them. Is it yeah, good? they have the next gen stat stuff, which is yeah. interesting. It's like I've only seen like commercials and stuff, and they'll they'll pull it up where they'll be like, you know, this last play had a six percent chance of being completed based on where it's, he was on cool. the field and how. Yeah, yeah, it's something different, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. But I, I do think this is huge for Rutgers. Um, Facility wise, I, I, I don't. Exp- I mean, they're already getting a hundred mil towards facilities right now. Add in a hundred mil, and then all these uh, all these professors can kind of be like, "Oh, sports doesn't do anything. It's only taking our budget. It's like one point fucking eight percent of the budget. Shut up!" And plus, it's reeling yeah. in a hundred mil on TV alone. We're not talking revenue. We're not talking concessions and tickets and all this other shit it brings in. But sure, yeah, whatever. Complain. Yeah, and a good deal of people come to Rutgers specifically because it offers that high-level sports, also with a high-level education. Like, I know that's the reason I went there is because I like the idea of, you know, right in my backyard, there's a big tent, there's a big-time football program, there's a big-time basketball program. So, yeah. exciting stuff. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to, to mention before we sign off here today? Um, no, I mean, uh, I'll be at practice on Wednesday, scrimmage on Saturday, basketball's kind of back, sort of. Um, no, I mean, I don't expect much to come out of the scrimmage. I think it's going to be relatively quiet like everything else has been. Um, obviously, the Singleton news kind of blows, but uh, they said there's one more avenue they're going to try. I'm guessing it's just an appeal of an appeal. I don't know how that works, but uh, mm-hmm. NCAA is just – fuck the NCAA. They're just a bunch of dicks. Um, yeah, I was surprised yeah. that they turned it down because you had a guy like Jay Billis who was really pounding the drum for Drew Singleton and yeah, kind of against NCAA. NCAA sucks. It's only a matter until they, a time until they secede from them. It's it's going to be the, I don't even know. You call it the mega conferences, and it's just the SEC and Big Ten. That's all it is. But yeah, uh, yeah it's um, that's all right. It's all right. God, it's pretty quiet off season in terms of recruiting. Uh, some new 2024 offers out there. 2023 is just about done. I think it's going to be portal, portal, portal now. Um, mm-hmm. From now until, you might. I guess actually post December, you always see like one or two slip through the cracks that didn't sign with like. Uh, Trying to think who switched last year. Um, Legister, the Legister, Canadian linebacker. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's not done done technically, but I think for the most part it is because you're not going to hear many names. We didn't hear those names until what, February, March? I mean, maybe even. We heard them when they were signing their paperwork. It wasn't like yeah. they were being recruited. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. So I think 2023 is done. Transfer portal is probably going to be the thing. I think you'll see one or two transfers out, maybe more um, post training camp, just because kids are like, fuck this. I didn't realize I was forced on the depth chart, even though we probably told you we were forced on the depth chart. But. Yep. Um, some don't want to hear it. Um, uh, some want new views, new stuff. Uh, no, I guess that's, that's kind of it. I'm, uh, I'm excited for this season to get going and get the ball rolling. And, uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll hear an announcement on terms of money in terms of a uh, big 10 deal soon. I know CBS, like you said, 350 mil just for that one alone. You figure the Amazon package is probably gonna be a hundred mil. Fox is probably gonna be four or 500 mil. And then, uh, NBC, I didn't even mention gets primetime and I know it's package yep. C, but you're getting primetime. I guess that's, that's pretty big. Yeah, no, I think NBC and CBS are splitting the B package. So, like, one week they'll get to pick B, and the next week the other network will get to pick B. So Something like that. Probably about the same price. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in, guys. We're going to have – we're going to try and put out more pods a week uh, moving forward now that there's actual things to report on regularly. But uh, stay tuned to the boards and stay tuned to your podcast feed because there might be something dropping in here. uh, Never know. Before next week. But thanks again for listening, and this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.